I think everyone that has ever had Netflix and browsed Netflix and said, I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to find a really good movie I never heard of. I'm going to watch a movie I've seen and I love. I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to watch a show. And then you just scroll through Netflix and you scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. And then eventually you're like, there's too many damn options. I can't make a decision. I don't want to make a decision. I'm out. And then you don't watch anything. Well, you can chalk that up to the paradox of choice or decision fatigue. And that's what I'm talking about today. Let's dive in. Let's talk about it. Anything and everything. Let's discuss this calmly and rationally. Come on in here. Let's talk about it. Wait, wait, wait. Let's discuss this. How you guys doing? Recording this on a Saturday today. We'll release it Sunday or Monday. I guess if you're listening, you know. I think I'm going to change when I do these though because I've been putting everything I do on Sundays and my Sundays are just getting too hectic. And this Sunday... I have to work a wedding, so I'm trying to do things on Saturday. I think I need to spread everything out throughout the week. That's here nor there. My week's been uh, my week's been pretty good. Baseball is coming down the stretch, and uh, the Yankees are pretty much 95% of what I think about and do and how my day goes, and uh, I'm hoping the playoffs go well. Otherwise, there's going to be a real big moment of sadness. Other than that, my car, my car started smoking. It felt like my emergency brake was stuck down. I could pull the release lever with my hand, but it definitely felt like it was still on when I was driving. I could smell it. So I took it to the shop, kind of got in an argument with the dude on the shop because I called him in and I was like, are you guys open? I want to have my car towed there. They put the emergency brake on in July. So I was like, you guys put this brake on in July. Something weird is going on. And the guy, like, you know, just lacked social skills and immediately was like, did you break it? Did you break it? So I yelled at him. I rarely yell at people, especially over the phone. I was just like, stop trying to diagnose it. Stop trying to place blame now. It's I'm asking if I can bring it to you. Then you can diagnose it. He was like, whoa, whoa, sorry, sorry. It's like, well, dude, you're being fucking annoying. All I'm asking is, can I bring my car to you? And then you can try and fix it. Anyway, they took off the wheels, took off the brakes, said nothing was wrong, put them back on. And then it felt fine. But... So maybe I'm crazy. So that was some, I hate cars. I hate having a nice car. I don't have a nice car, but I never want a nice car. I never want a car I care about. I think I just need to get like a Tacoma, like a truck. All I want is something that I can beat up. I don't care if it gets dinged. I don't care if I nick it. I never want to care about my car getting dinged or nicked at all. So I don't need a nice car. I just want something that's reliable and drives. I think like an old shitty Toyota Tacoma. I feel like I've heard stories about them lasting forever, but I don't really want a pickup truck. So I need to find something. I got a Ford Explorer right now. It's good. It's just, it's going to die soon. It's got a lot of miles on it and a lot of years, but I hate car stuff. Anyway, I guess my emergency brake wasn't locked down. Although I drove it to my friend's house and he said he could smell it. Cause I can, you can smell it when the emergency brake, you drive with the emergency brake on. I could definitely smell it. Some car trouble. What else happened this week? Got a mouse in the house. Not a fan of mice. Not a fan of critters that run really fast. I know you shouldn't be scared of them, but you know, even elephants are scared of mice, they say. What is that video? Anyway, I know I shouldn't be scared of mice, but I'm super like, like, get the fuck out of here. I don't want to, I don't want anything to do with you, mouse. I was standing in front of my sink, getting ready for bed, and I saw it run by my toes and then every time I'm standing there getting ready for bed or in the morning now all I can think is 
there's going to be a mouse that's going to run across my feet. Ooh, gives me fucking shivers. Hate mice. Need to catch this mouse. Piss me off. Need to be like when I worked at Domino's in college. They were all, uh, all my coworkers from Bangladesh. They just fucking would just grab the mice with their hands and then put them in a box and then release it outside. I was like, whoa, Olkman, you're kind of nutty, huh? Can't just be catching wild mice with your hands. A, that's super impressive. How'd you just catch that mouse? They're like fast and nifty and shifty. B, fucking gross, man. Better wash your hands before you make a pizza. He did, he did. Domino's, it wasn't that gross. We were pretty, we met all the health standards. Sure, there were some mice. Everywhere's got mice. What else happened this week? I got a haircut. Oh, I had a haircut. I had a social interaction, like a, a classic odd social interaction at the barbershop. So I whipped out my phone real quick because I didn't want to forget every th- all the thoughts on it and what happened. It's not that exciting at all, but I just found it kind of interesting. So I whipped out my phone and I talked into my phone right away. And I think in the future on this podcast, you know how I wrap up my week just to talk at the beginning. I think if anything happens, I'm going to start doing like talking to my phone and then I'll just plug it in right here. So here's what happened at the barbershop. It's not really that interesting, but here you go. I just got a haircut. The haircut place always has a long line because they take like 30 minutes per haircut. If I go to Supercuts or in any other place, it would be about a five minute haircut. But this place is, they are meticulous and slow. And you would think that they all just took a lot of Adderall and are just so attention detailed. They run the the razor along the side to get all the strays. But that's not the point. There's a kid in there who I play hockey with. So we know each other's faces. Like we played on the same team for a season, adult league. So we always just say hi to each other. Like, hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? But I think I know his name. I don't know if he knows my name. So like we're not close at all. He sat two chairs next to me in the waiting situation. And I didn't see him at first because I'm just looking down at my phone like a normal person. And then I'm like, oh, I know him. But it wasn't like to the point where if I tap his leg or like wave my hand and be like, hey, what's up? He'd be like, oh, hey, what's up? And that would be the end of what we have to say to each other. We could be like, how'd your season go? But neither of us want to do that on a Saturday morning when we're just sitting around waiting for a haircut. So then I just look down and avoid eye contact because I don't want to be like staring at him, waiting for him to notice me. Then we just say hi to each other and that's it. That's a weird encounter. And then I go, I'm before him, so I go sit down in the chair. Now we're kind of looking at each other, so I do do that. I'm like, waiting, like, just fucking notice me, buddy, so we can say hi. Because I know that you know I'm in the room, and I know you're in the room, and I know we know each other, and you know we know each other, but we're both just kind of avoiding saying hi because we know that there's nothing to be said after we say hi. Just, hey, I know you. Hey, I know you too. Like, neither of us want to force conversation after that or have the awkward linger like okay enjoy your haircut and then we're still just sitting right next to each other so just a bizarre situation where we didn't see each other then he sat in the chair and he was just getting his beard trimmed not a haircut and it was his first time ever doing that I've never done that so maybe he was like trying to be incognito about the whole thing because that's kind of a weird thing to go just to the haircut just to get your beard trimmed up not a hot shave just like trimmed up so maybe he didn't want to you know he was trying to be like, I don't want anyone to know that I have this lady buzzing my beard, which 
99% of men just do on their own. And then I heard that and I'm sitting in the chair and I'm like, fuck, should I have her buzz my beard? I do this on my own. I'm probably really bad at it. Is that weird? How much extra does it cost? Either way, when I'm walking out, his chair's facing me. So I'm like, okay, just tap him. Like, be like, hey, what's up? Have a good day. That's normal enough because I'm on my way out. There's no awkwardness after that. His eyes were dead closed. Like, so me and this kid just knew we were in the same 10 by 10 small ass building and avoided each other because it would be too awkward afterwards. I feel like that's some millennial dumb avoiding talking shit, but also I'm totally on board because we had nothing to say to each other besides, hey, I know your face. Hey, I know your face too. Yeah. So interactions like that always kind of weird me out. I overthink them just because I think society when that shit happens, it's weird when you notice it and you're like, this is happening. All right. As for the topic of today, choices, paradox of choice. Anyway, there's too many choices, right? I can't decide. So many choices and decisions. Too many, too many, too many. So this was a study done by a guy named Barry Schwartz. He wrote a book about it in 2004. He did a Ted talk about it. So if you really want to hear the man himself explain it much better than I will right now, I'm just kind of commenting on it. You can go look at that shit. His thesis is that having a lot of options isn't always a good thing. And that if we reduce the options, we will reduce stress and anxiety and uh, advance our decision-making skills if we have less options. Which kind of goes against the norm because everyone wants a ton of options and wants everything. But I am fully on board that too many options sucks. He has some actual studies behind it. One of the studies was... A company sent out their insurance policies to all their employees that they had to fill out. And every time they gave them more options, less people filled out the form. If they gave them the form with 50 options, 10% less people filled it out than would have if you gave them the form with five options. Because five options, fine, sure. One, two, I can figure out what's the best. 50 options, there's too much shit going on here. I don't want to think about all this. This is way too much. I'm just going to push it aside and not do it. I totally agree. Now that is on a grand scale with something like meaningful. The biggest way I agree with this is food. I hate, and I know like a typical girl thing, like I don't know what I want to eat. But I feel like that's them being picky more than than not being able to decide because you give them like options and they'll say no. But for me, that's why I loved cafeterias in high school and college. Let me just walk in. They're serving something. I'll take it. That's why a lot of times at restaurants, I'll just say the special of the day or what's your most popular thing. I'll have that because I don't want to look at menus. I don't want to have all the options and make decisions. That's why when I go to a deli, I like delis that give you like 10 custom sandwiches and I got to pick those when there's delis that list all their meats and list all their cheeses. And I'm like, oh shit, I got to build a sandwich right now. I got to think about what meat I want, every topping I want. I don't want to do that. I just want to choose. You give me like five options and I'll choose like in and out. So easy. You want a hamburger, you want a cheeseburger or you want fries. Very simple. I am all for a lot of times I'll have my mom order for me. That's just fun, kind of, because it's like, what am I going to get? But yeah, uh, with food, and I can eat the same thing every day. Like some, I used to make huge meals on Sundays and then go into work. And every day I knew what I was having for lunch that day. And just 
easier. I don't have to spend 20 minutes deciding, should I go get lunch? Am I that hungry? Do I want something hot? Do I want a sandwich? Do I want a snack? Do I want a full meal? Just like, oh, I'm going to eat what I already prepared myself. It's in the fridge. It's less time thinking about it. In his study, he said there are two types of decision makers, maximizers and satisfiers. The difference between the two is their goal when making a choice. Okay, so there's two. There's maxifiers and satisfiers. If you seek and accept only the best, you are a maximizer. Maximizers need to be assured that every purchase or decision was the best that could be made. So I had a roommate like this who, like, say we're buying a TV. He's going to check every company that sells TVs, all the specs, all the prices, factor everything in to make sure he gets the best deal with everything. Or you have your satisfiers who will choose something that is good enough and not worry about the possibility that there might be something better. So it's like, well, this TV is affordable and it has everything I want. I don't care if there's other shit out there that might be better or more affordable. This one is in my budget and I like it. So I'm going to grab this one and not think about what I missed out on. That's me. I am a satisfier. I don't know if it's a good thing. Maximizers surely get better deals, use their money wiser, most likely, but it seems like a lot of stress to their lives to overthink everything. But Barry Schwartz says that not everyone is a maximizer about everything or a satisfier about everything. It's different. So it's like products you care about. It's true. So say I'm going to buy ice skates. Like say I, I need new hockey skates because, well, I do need new hockey skates because I wear the ones that I got when I was 15 years old. I'm never going to get new ones until they completely break. Well, they are broken. The toes are completely exposed. I could break my toe at any moment when I play ice hockey. But when I have to eventually cave and buy new ice hockey skates, I am not going to be a satisfier. I'll try to get the best deal and the best thing because those are something I want to last me another 10, 15 years. But most things in life, I am a satisfier where it's like, that's in my budget. It's basically what I want. I'll just take that and not think about it and not get dulled down by choices and options and what ifs. So I'm a satisfier. Uh, the goal of maximizing, he asserts, can make people miserable, especially in a world that insists on providing an overwhelming number of choices, both trivial and not so trivial. It's true. That's, uh, being a maximizer sounds terrible. Just compare and overthink every decision you make to all the millions of other options. Well, then he's got like relief strategies and ways to go around it. I don't really care. I'm not trying to make this a self-help talk, just talking about paradox of choice. And, it's, and I, I'm a, a, in agreement that the paradox of choice is true. Some people said it's not actually true, that options are still better. Obviously, it depends on the person. Some people, a lot of options sucks for sure. You know when it's also not good? Driving around town. So I lived in a small town in Connecticut, Newtown. And when you want to go from point A to point B in town, there's like one main road and then the off roads. So you've got one way to get there. I live in a town in California now, Livermore. There's a million ways to get everywhere. From A to B, you can take this road. You can take that road. It's like, what's going to be faster? What's going to have traffic? Which one's got the most right turn so I can go right on red and not get stuck at the light waiting for that green light arrow? Which one's got stop signs compared to street lights so they're quicker? Which one so high speed limits? Like there's so many options driving around in Newtown, Connecticut, it was so much better. Just go A to B, whatever the fuck 
situation is, that's my only route. It's a lot easier. So I think it's true. The other thing is there's a thing called decision fatigue. Now, decision fatigue is more proven as real, and it refers to the deteriorating quality of decisions made by an individual after a long session of decision-making. So if you spend all day making decisions, by the end of the day, you're not going to think as hard about some as you were at the beginning because you're just worn down. You're beat down. They have stats that say judges in court have shown to make less favorable decisions later in the day than earlier in the day because they're just fucking over it. You did it. You're, you're a murderer. You're guilty. Go die now. I'm tired. I let the two guys in the beginning of the day off because I was happy. I hadn't made it. I hadn't been worn down yet. But now that's the end of the day. You're fucking dead. You murderer. That's how judges work. So if you get a court case at the end of the day, you're getting put away for life. Let it be known. Decision fatigue's a real thing, and like the smartest people in the world, Steve Jobs, Zuckerberg, Barack Obama, that's why they wore one outfit their whole lives. That's why Steve Jobs only wore one outfit. That's why Zuckerberg only wears one outfit. Barack Obama only wore a couple, like three different outfits. Because you don't want to think about that. You want to wake up, and you don't want to think, what do I have to wear today? Is it going to be cold? Is it going to be hot? Blah, blah, blah. You just put on an outfit that is all-encompassing, and you don't mind how you look. And that's just one less decision. Same with pre-planned meals. A lot of those really, you know, higher up Steve Jobs, Zuckerberg had pre-planned meals where they didn't have to think about that either. Now, obviously you get rich enough. You don't really have to worry about this shit. You just have your meals given to you. I wish I could wear the same thing every single day. I mean, I wear, I kind of do. I wear three colors. I wear this t-shirt like once a week and then I wash it and then I wear it again. It's as soon as washes, if this t-shirt's clean, I will wear it because it's my most comfortable shirt. So that means I wear it like once a week, then we do laundry, then I wear it, then we do laundry, then I wear it. I wear, I come home, I put shorts on. So yeah, I don't really have a problem with that. Now my girlfriend, I'll be laying in bed, she'll go to work. I'll see her go through at least two outfits before she decides on an outfit. And it's like, man, you just put so much effort into getting dressed. I can totally see why Steve Jobs and Zuckerberg just wore the same outfit every day. You don't have to think. You can just go through your whole morning routine thinking about the big decisions you want to make later on in life instead of bogging yourself down with these small decisions. So I think I fully buy into paradox of choice and decision fatigue. Decision fatigue is like a real thing. Paradox of choice, some people say isn't real, but this guy wrote a whole thing and said it's real. I'm in. I'm in. I'm on board. I'm on board. Choices suck. Making decisions suck. (laughs) Let's just all be kids again where we don't have to do any of that. Obviously, that... Obviously, you need to make choices and shit, but you get what I'm saying. Too many choices, bad. Netflix is for real. That's the difference between having cable and having Netflix. When you had cable, you just scroll through, and they'd offer you like five movies that were on, playing right then, and you choose the whatever you want to watch out of those five. Netflix, if I choose a movie on Netflix, I feel like I have now committed to actually watching that movie. If I'm not paying attention, it's like, shit, well, I just chose this because I was interested and I better pay attention now. It's like, but I don't really want to pay attention. Cable TV, you just put it on. It has to be on because that's one of the five movies you're playing. So you watch it. You don't watch it. It's much easier. Scrolling around on Netflix, starting a movie. Nope. Going back. Don't want to watch this one. Starting a TV show. No, I'm not in the mood for this. Man, I've, I've done that an awful, awful lot. All right. That's it for Decision Fatigue and Paradox of Choice. On to indulges, weekly indulges. Before you disperse. Seen any good movies lately? I would uh, beg your indulgence for a moment. You watch too much TV. Movies, TV, music. 
movies. I saw Stronger, Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Did a podcast on it with those guys. It's called uh, Six Pack Cinema. I thought it was pretty average. I mean, if you want to hear my full thoughts, you can go listen to that Six Pack Cinema. Still watching Outlander, still watching Glitch, still watching The Deuce. I didn't binge any shows this week, so I won't talk. So there's not much to talk about. Didn't binge any shows. Music. Oh, you know what? There's a... A new album by a guy called His Golden Messenger. I liked some of his songs before, but I didn't expect to like it. I really like this album. It sounds a lot like Van Morrison and it stoned me into the mystic. You know, you listen on the beach, kind of like water songs. That's how I think of them anyway. I was always listening on a boat. This album by His Golden Messenger sounds a lot like that style of Van Morrison. I uh, liked it a lot. First couple songs, really good. It's like, a, I don't know how to explain it. Here's a little bit from one of the songs. Yes, I've never seen so i like that i'm not going to end the podcast with that for one reason i've been listening to the same song to fall asleep to every night this entire week so i feel like that has to be my music indulgence for the week because it's got a lot of plays and it's from 2004 it's by a guy called jeffrey facult facult i've never said his name outside out loud jeffrey facult it's called cross of flowers it is slow as hell so if you're trying to have like a pumped up day while you're listening to this, the song at the end is going to be very slow. It's almost like impressively downtrodden, like slow. But dude's basically painting a picture of rustic Americana with his lyrics. And it's really impressive if you were actually to like listen to lyrics and picture everything he's saying. It's just about a dude. He's driving home to his hometown and he's looking at things in the distance and he's telling you exactly what he's seeing. Really cool. I love songs that are able to paint pictures kind of like poems like that with music, like, you know, prettily sung poems. So I've been listening to this song and it's it's not like I just found out about it either. I just went back and got a kick. Favorite lyric, favorite lyric is, uh, and in the bars down on the main drag, they're drinking down what they got paid. Just blue collar town, Friday night, everyone goes to the bar, puts their paycheck down. Trades it in for some beers and hanging out with their fellas in the small American blue collar town. And in the bars down off the main drag, they're drinking down what they got paid. I like that lyric. So that's the end of just talking this week in summation. My car didn't break, but I thought it broke. There's a mouse in my house. I ran into a guy I know, but don't really know while getting a haircut. Paradox of choice is real. Decision fatigue is even more real. You didn't binge watch any shows. I like the new His Golden Messenger album. And here is Cross of Flowers by Jeffrey Foucault. I listen to it every single night falling asleep this week. Thanks for listening. Try your hardest. Do your best. Have a good week. Our strategy, to be honest, is try your hardest, do your best, try your hardest, do your best, try your hardest. Try your hardest. Try your hardest. There's a cross of flowers on both sides. There's some fool bought it two years back. Orchard gone to hell. Beside a burned out one room shack. And there's a thousand.
thousand sparrows falling in a thousand shades of black. I'm coming home. There's a steeple on the skyline Like a single iron nail There's a windmill doing nothing And a low moan on the rail Where the coal train takes a corner Light begins to fail I'm coming home Knocked out car in the tall grass It ain't ever gonna sell Jimmy's raising daughters Jack's out raising hell And I always said I loved Never said I loved you well I'm coming home I'm coming home I'm coming home 